Hi, this is Jacqueline T.D. Huynh, and welcome to Parent Pump Radio. I'm speaking to you today with a broken heart. On Monday, July 15th, 2019, at 11.38 p.m., my father's heart stopped beating. My eyes hurt so much from lack of sleep and crying, and my mind has been in a fog. I can't even think straight. So Parent Pump Radio will be airing some top listen past episodes for the next few weeks. We will return the first week of August with brand new episodes so that my family and I can take the time to grieve. This all happened so fast, and I wanted to share with you some of the memories of my father and what happened and and just have you be a part of a little part of my life. So my father was rushed to the hospital that morning, July 15th, because his speech was slurred and the right side of his lips was curled up. My sister called the paramedics and we were told that he had a massive brain hemorrhage, that he wouldn't survive this one. There were probably two dozen family members or more. It's hard to keep track of it who rushed to his side throughout that day and night and so many more on the phone text messaging and facebooking me but he was only able to hold on until 11:38 p.m. it was amazing to see all the love and support and the stories that were coming in from family members all over the country and the world and I realized what a wonderful man he was, not just to his children and grandchildren, but to each and every family members. Daddy was a, a man of service to his country. He served as an officer in the South Vietnamese Army, fighting alongside American soldiers in the Vietnam War. I remember on April 25, 1975, five days before the collapse of our country, he was able to send my mom, my four younger sisters, and myself on a cargo plane to Guam for safety so that he could stay and fight for our country, knowing that we were safe. And on April 30th, when Saigon collapsed and was in chaos, he, he still would not stop saving people. He rescued people in his Jeep and gathered more people on the boat to escape. When we arrived in the U.S., he started his work in social service for years so that he could continue to be of service. He helped dozens of Vietnamese refugees get settled here. It was so important to him that we all be an asset to the community and to the United States. He always came from gratitude and such a humble man. My father was part of the movement that created what we know as Little Saigon in Westminster, California, which now has the largest Vietnamese population in the world outside of the country itself. He was the kindest, gentlest, most emotionally intelligent and patient man I know. I rarely heard him raise his voice or get mad. 
He spoke very little, but when he did speak, you knew it was something important. I remember he would come to UC Irvine when I was in college to pick me up on Saturday mornings to come home for visits. There were Fridays that I was out late and did come back to my dorm room. He would just sit in the car waiting patiently until I got back. And mind you, this was before cell phones or pagers. He never got mad that he had to wait or didn't know where I was. He was always just so glad to see me. He always thought of others first. He never wanted to inconvenience anyone, be fretted over, or cause anyone pain. Fifteen years ago, my youngest sister, Tina, committed suicide and at 30 years old, and my grandmother passed away three months later. It was excruciatingly painful for him and all of the family to go through the day of their passing, then again at the memorial service, and then again when we scattered their ashes. He talked about how his heart broke six times in that three-month period. He felt so bad that people were taking time off work and spending so much money coming in for their services last minute. He was adamant that when he passed, he didn't want his loved ones to go through the same. His last wishes were that he wanted to donate his body to the UC Irvine World Body Program for science and research because even in death, he wanted to be of service. He only wanted us to go through saying goodbye one time. He wanted to make sure that we took time to grieve and then come together, come together at a later planned time to celebrate his life. I know he's in heaven with the Creator. He's now free and at peace, running and jumping happily with his baby girl Tina and his parents. We know his love for us is endless. And now he's in a place where he can have boundless energy to be of service to everyone. He will forever be in our hearts. Now more than ever, I realize how important leaving a legacy is. And not just a legacy in money, but a legacy in who we are, our compassion, our values, purpose and how we make people feel and even down to our mind body spirit connection because those are the things our children and grandchildren will remember us by as Maya as Maya Angelou said people will forget what you said people will forget what you did but people will never forget how you made them feel so please think about how you want to be remembered Hug your loved ones a little bit closer. Do everything you can to be of purpose. And to all my friends who have lost a loved one, I would like to read this wonderful poem that was given to me just so recently by a beloved friend. 
As for grief, you'll find it comes in waves. When the ship is first wrecked, you're drowning with wreckage all around you. Everything floating around you reminds you of the beauty and the magnificence of the ship that was and is no more. And all you can do is float. You find some piece of the wreckage and you hang on for a while. Maybe it's some physical thing. Maybe it's a happy memory or a photograph. Maybe it's a person who is also floating. For a while, all you can do is float. Stay alive. In the beginning, the waves are a hundred feet tall and crash over you without mercy. They come 10 seconds apart and don't even give you time to catch your breath. All you can do is hang on and float. After a while, maybe weeks, maybe months, you'll find the waves are still 100 feet tall, but they come further apart. When they come, they still crash all over you and wipe you out. But in between, you can breathe, you can function. You never know what's going to trigger the grief. It might be a song, a picture, a street intersection, the smell of a cup of coffee. It can be just about anything, and the wave comes crashing. But in between waves, there is life. And somewhere down the line, and it's different for everybody, you find that the waves are only 80 feet tall or 50 feet tall. And while they still come, they come further apart. You can see them coming, an anniversary, a birthday, or Christmas, or landing at O'Hare. You can see it coming for the most part and prepare yourself. And when it washes over you, you know that somehow you will again come out the other side, soaking wet, sputtering, still hanging on to some tiny piece of the wreckage. But you'll, but you'll come out. Take it from an old guy. The waves never co stop coming and somehow you don't really want them to but you learn that you'll survive them and other waves will come and you'll survive them too. And if you're lucky, you'll have lots of scars from lots of loves and lots of shipwrecks. I don't know who the author of that poem is, but thank you. Thanking, thank you for giving us hope and saying what we feel inside our heart. Thank you, listeners. And to Daddy, until we meet again, I love you. <laughs>